I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? I am your host, AC Brown. I am your psychic channel and voice of truth. And I want to thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? This episode is so special to me. As you all know, I always talk about moon signs and I have Nariana Montufar who has a new book out called Moon Signs, Unlock Your Inner Luminary Power. And her work is phenomenal. I've been stalking her, but the book, you have to get it. I'll put that in the description. Um, But Nariana is the senior astrologer for horoscope.com. And she has also written for Vogue, Refinery29, Pop Sugar, and so much more. And her specialty is moon signs, but, and the moon, but she talks about so many other things and her work is so illuminating. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. I am so pleased to be invited. And um, yeah, I'm like super excited to talk to you and your audience. So thank you for having me. No, you're welcome. So I'm obsessed with moon signs for my own personal reason, but due to the fact that I feel that, you know, and you can say yay or nay to this, the moon is so much about how we emote, how we relate, how we communicate. Um, When I'm dating, I always want to know what somebody's moon sign is because it's super important to me because I figured like, I have an understanding of how they process information. So what made you so drawn to the moon? Well, I mean, the moon is so important in in everything, not only just in astrology, you know, like uh, I'm going to quote one of my favorite astrologers of all time, Stephen Forrest. He says, the moon is the mother of astrology. Mm. Because since the moon moves so fast, it is through her that ancient astrologers were, or ancient stargazers, not even just astrologers, were able to figure out the cycles of the planets. And so, you know, because for example, while the sun takes a year to go around the zodiac, right, or, and Jupiter takes 12 years about that, the moon does that in, in 28 days. Right. So it was through her that people were starting to realize, oh, this is, you know, astrology is all about cycles, you know, it's like, and so the moon is like everything, you know, she, I'm going to, I'm going to quote she, because I mean, she's the, the, the archetype of the mother and you will notice, you know, when you see people's charts or even just moon signs, they will tell you a lot about their story of uh, their mother, their, their relationship. Yes, that is so true. Right. And, and not only that, right. Of course he tells a lot about the mother, but it's, it's a lot about how these people really are, you know, because when, when you meet someone in the outside world, you meet the rising sign or the sign, right. But when you 
Uh, really? in, in with them, right. And, and in, you really meet them when you're into their home and you see their space and how they process emotions, how um, what they need in order to feel nurtured. You're dealing with their moon side. Yes, I love that. And me being, I have a, I was born in a crescent moon and I'm a moon in Taurus in the sixth house. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, there's a lot going on here. But well, you know, Taurus is the best sign placement for the moon. It's exalted there. I still don't quite understand that too much, but I'm I'm dealing with it. <laughs> well, it's a beautiful placement for the moon. And that's probably why you're you're really into the moon because um in your chart, the moon can she's like the queen, you know, she's like, oh, I love this place. I love Taurus. I love all the nice things in life. And yes, Venus, right? Venus, Taurus is ruled by Venus. Yes. Oh, I love that. So when we talk about the moon signing, you, you touched on something that I want the audience to really understand. I'm sure that in your life, you've read so many astrology, natal charts and done compatibility and synastry and all of that stuff. Why is the moon so critical in partnering? The moon is so critical in partnering because it speaks so much of what the person needs in order to be fulfilled, in order Mm. to be nurtured, their non-negotiables. And so if, if if the moon signs, for example, are incompatible, you're gonna have a little bit of a, a different language when it comes to processing emotions, expressing them, you know, uh, like let's say a person that has a very expressive moon sign like Leo, right? Let's say, oh, they want to be admired and they want to be put in a pedestal sometimes, but you know, uh, for example, someone with a Leo moon would need a lot of attention, right? Right. And then if the other person has a moon that's not as expressive, like let's say an Aquarius moon or a Gemini moon, that person's going to approach everything related to emotions, nurturance, expression of of feelings in a completely different way. And so there's there's a mismatch, you know, also the moon rules your 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 stomach your, your your eating habits and sleeping patterns and so for example i'm just going to give you an example my husband and i are very compatible very very compatible but our moon signs are the only thing that are not really how how is that working <laughs> it's working great because everything else works right you know? but for example i have a leo moon and he has a capricorn moon and okay he had to adjust to my sleeping patterns, for example, because I need a lot of sleep. I need to eat at certain times. And he, he all those things for him are a little different. So we had to adjust that. But ever, since everything else works, it, it's been easy, you know, for us. But that's why the moon is so important. It's just like, if someone is not really seeing your your inside, right? Oh, it's mm. almost like the real you, that relationship's not going to work. And it's not only in love, it's in friendship. Friendships and business, all of that. Everything. So um, that's why the moon is so important. And, and most of the times, if you see, you know, if someone tells you, oh, I'm a Gemini, and sometimes you will say, oh, yeah, yeah, you totally behave like a Gemini, right? Sometimes 
people will be more attuned to their moon. So there's like, oh, I'm a moon in Aries. That makes so much more sense, you know? Yeah. And especially if you were born at night, for example. Right. Like me, I was born at one o'clock in the morning. So. Right. Because like the sun is like the luminary of the day. Right. And the moon is the luminary of the night. And so if you were born at night, this is not a rule. But it does play out in a lot of birth charts that um, if someone's born at night, they could be a little more in tune with their moon sign. That makes so much sense. So one thing that I did notice about your book that you're going to be talking about, which a lot of people don't, is the progress moon. And I want to... Because right now, um, just in April, my progressed moon is now in Scorpio, which is in my 12th house. And here I am for the next two and a half years. A lot of people don't talk about the progressed moon. Can you talk about how the progressed moon interacts, counterbalances, like what is the progression of the moon mean as far for a day to day? Because a lot of people don't actually talk about that and how it actually affects your life. <laughs> it's a big, th- it's a big thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I might just start with a little intro on what that is, because I mean, a lot of people don't even, don't know about progressed charts. Anyway, right. Right. So that's when astrology gets, I mean, astrology there, it's so immense and, and, and endlessly interesting and just eye-opening. But what I tell my clients is like, you know, your chart doesn't stay the same as you're an evolving human and accumulating experiences, um, traumas, everything that you accumulate, um, is reflecting on a, on another chart, which is your progress chart, aka evolved, right? Evolve your new you. And so in this chart, this chart moves with you or along with you, you know, by like as you as you grow. And so the moon, since it's the fastest moving planet, or we call the, you know, in astrology, the moon mm-hmm. planet, uh, the moon moves the fastest. And so, I mean, a degree per month, that's a lot. And so as the moon moves through your birth chart, it will trigger all the rest of the planets and all the rest of the houses. And so you actually get to experience every single moon sign, depending on how long you live, Mm. up to three times in your life. Wow. I didn't know it was a, wow. That's a lot. Yeah, because uh, as you know, um, the moon spends about two and a half years. Yes. Sign. And so astrologers look at the progressed moon because it will tell us a lot about what the person's going through. Mm-hmm. When pro- it, it will speak a lot about, for example, when they got married, when they got divorced or a super, super noticeable shift in emotional interest, in emotional nature. You know, people will pro- people come to us and they say, like, I don't know what happened. Right. It's like, I don't right. know what's happening, but I just had a change of heart. And it, it usually is the moon triggering an important placement in the birth chart an important configuration, um, you know, because like, you know, just like you get your Saturn returned at around 29. Right. The moon does the same thing. You get your progressed lunar return and it's 
vital to attune to it in order to like keep up with your birth chart because your birth chart's going to keep moving, right? It's right. not going to be like, are you ready to evolve, honey? It's right. No, we evolve. We evolve. <laughs> right. So, and to be quite honest, I was originally the progressed moon um, chapter in my book wasn't going to be there originally. Really? Why not? Because I hadn't thought about it. Um, I wanted this book to be very, I want it to be a bridge, you know, okay. between people who are just starting, you know, to, to, to look into their moon sign. But then it just became very apparent to me that that needed to be there. And so I spoke with my publisher and I said, look, I am obsessed with the progressed moon. And so I feel like we should add that as a, as a chapter and, and they were into it. And so, yeah, I mean, the progressed moon is everything because if you're not attuned to it, you, life can just be so confusing at times, you know, like, right. Why is this happening? Well, any tips for me with the progressed moon? Cause they say the progressed moon in Scorpio is the hardest. Any tips? And it's in my 12th house. So I'm really like screwed. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think the reason why the progress moon in Scorpio is so intense is because the moon it's in its fall. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like opposite from Taurus. So you're getting your progressed moon opposition. Mm -hmm. It might be a little harder to deal with um, women. Right. Usually because the, the moon is women or something around your mother. So just preparing for that and understanding that that might take some of your energy, you know, okay. your emotional sense. energy, uh, because the moon is women. So sometimes when that happens, it's like, oh, I don't know why, but like all the women around me are going crazy. You know, it's like it's because of the progressed moon. It might not manifest for you that way, but like the progressed moon in Scorpio, I see it a little bit as a Mercury retrograde, not in the sense of technology, more in the sense of like diving super, 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 super deep in like esoteric okay. practices, tarot, taboo subjects, which it sounds like you're already- Yeah, I'm already in. Yeah. Deeper. Yeah, deeper. it's definitely been I'm I, I am noticing an acceleration and transformation through like therapy and healing trauma and all of that stuff. There's definitely been an acceleration of like really hard hitting issues and topics coming in stronger to where I'm having to like really uncover and like dig deep and like excavate them really quickly since April, like things like in therapy, like kind of really progress really fast to where I'm like right. dealing with a lot of like, oh, wow, I forgot that that was there. I forgot that that was there. And like, it's all coming out all like just ready for transformation, which is good. Well, you're doing it right. You're doing it right because you are a very sensitive psychic person. So you're already you already have the tools and the disposition to do that. The reason why Scorpio is such an, I'm a Scorpio son, so I totally understand where you're coming from. Scorpio is ruled by Mars and Pluto. So it's a no nonsense kind of time. Mm -hmm. 
of like uncovering and trauma and like facing hard truths, but it sounds like you're already doing it right. For most people that are not tasked like you, you know, that know, they're like, whoa, someone turned the lights off on me. Like what's going on? What's happening? Right. Especially because it seems, you know, the progression before that was Libra, which is like, ah, right. uh, super social, super cute. Um, but the Scorpio moon is about uncovering all your dark material mm-hmm. so you can process it and then rise above like the Phoenix, right? Yes. At the end, but you first you have to touch bottom. <laughs> yeah. Gotta, gotta go low. <laughs> yeah. So it's a difficult progressed moon. That's the truth. Oh. Um, sounds like I'm handling it good. So that, that's good that I, I know what I'm up against for another two years. Oh, yeah. If you're doing therapy, if you're doing if you're like facing your traumas, that's that's exactly what you need to do. The thing is, usually people are not or they feel like or they tell themselves like, I'm not ready for this. You know, it's like, get ready because it's going to happen. And like the more you face it head on, think about how Scorpio is like kind of a badass sign right it's kind right of like, i'm gonna do this it's intense it's an intense sign i mean i think for you it's also the 12th house but i feel like the 12th house goes really well with the scorpionic theme of like shaman, yeah. you know mm-hmm. which kind of archetypes so um and we all go through that right at some right. point in our lives and it usually coincides depending on your birth chart but the scorpio moon can coincide with like a a little bit of a darker period in which, because Scorpio is a nocturnal, a nocturnal right. sign, it's of like a retreat from the world so you can alchemize all the trauma, all the pain and all of that into something uh, beautiful powerful. and magical and powerful. No, I agree. So how did you get to the work that you're doing? Because you have a really intense resume Um, that astrologers would die for and (laughs) you have built this career so where did that all begin what was the catalyst to say I'm going to do this for real well to be honest um I was born on 11 11 right oh yes that's right yes you were so I've always been I always was I'm from Mexico and uh, I always was into uh, esoteric. And, you know, I think I got my first birth chart reading with a legit astrologer when I was a teen. I don't remember where, how old I was, but I always kind of knew there was something calling my name, you know, but to be honest, I went through a period, a dark period in my life before I moved to the States. I got to astrology from a very, in a very funny way. I, it was through my editorial career. So here in San Francisco, I started uh, interning for magazines and like media publications, you know, like starting my career kind of like magazines and record labels. I've always loved music. And so I, I was at Spin Media for a while, um, creating content, right? Creating content about music. And I loved music. But when that ended, like the company folded, or at least that part of the company folded, I felt kind of lost and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, well, I kind of want to keep going in music, but I don't like mainstream music, you know? Okay. I'm a music snob, but I'm very, I'm a music snob. At least I admit it. I was like, I don't 
want to, I don't like the industry itself. It seems kind of toxic, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I fell into horoscope.com. Uh, I started there as the Spanish editor. Okay. One of their Spanish websites. And then little by little, I started moving into higher editorial positions, you know, like, um, associate editor and then I became managing editor and that's during that those 10 years in which I held different editorial positions to create content manage astrologers manage writers content creators little by little I started learning and taking classes on the weekends and reading and I was like hmm there's something here there's something here, right? Because even though I began with horoscopes, which is not, not astrology, you know, horoscopes are like a tiny little piece of the cake. I started taking classes and suddenly I was like, I've done this before. I've mm. done this before. I know this. Like, I mean, of course I had to study and do a lot of reading, but you were just remembering from a former I've, life. Yeah. I've done this before. Like it's so, it was really easy for me to learn it. It was really fast how it all happened. And I was the teacher's pet, you know, in the classroom. I was the teacher's <laughs> like pet. Raising your hand, like, excuse me. Excuse I was me. like, I was like, okay, Narayana, like you can't answer all the questions, like legit. You can't answer all. I'm like, okay. I was like, okay, but I know this. I just knew it. And so there was a time in which I had to make a decision, you know, in if, if I were going to move forward with my editorial career. And I realized that astrology was my new love, you know, that I could never, there was no going back here. And I realized that if I stopped working for horoscope.com and astrology.com, I didn't want to go work anywhere else editorially. Like, I love writing. I love creating content. I'm still doing that, but astrology is my, is my jam. You know, it's, it's my, it's my calling and it's helped me so much because I have a lot of trauma in my birth chart, you know, when I had a lot of people die in my family um, at an early age. And uh, it's been extremely healing for me to, to tap into it and then bringing that to others. And I, I mean, that's my mission in life. And so it was a difficult decision to step away from being an editor, you know, but the truth is I need to focus on what I'm here to do, you know? Right. No, that's beautiful. When you think about your trauma um, that you experienced growing up in Mexico City and everything, and then when people say that astrology is not real, how do you combat that because you can see that based off of your own life and your own chart and probably dissecting timelines and things like that. And then when someone says astrology is not real, what does that bring up in you, number one? And how do you answer that or argue that point that it is? Well, I mean, without trying to be, you know, sound like a snob or too negative, the first question when people tell me, astrology is not real I said have you ever had an astrology reading and they mm. say no and I said so how do you know it's not real and they usually never have an answer <laughs> that's a good one I've never even thought to ask that like I've even never even thought to ask that that's a good one and they usually never have I'm just like so are you just repeating something that you read somewhere or saying something that 
you don't really know about. And they seem like, uh, and I said, you can't really say that something's not real if you haven't experienced it firsthand. It's like mm -hmm. if, I, if I'm saying biodynamics isn't real and I've never read a book about it or I've never had, you know, I've never been exposed to it. And then people realize that they're just repeating something that they read somewhere. Mm. You know? So um, I also explained to them that horoscopes are not necessarily astrology because I think people, people dislike being put in a box, you know? Very true. Like all Leos are the same and all Geminis are the same. And I said, I mean, I, I express the first person that I heard saying this is Chani Nichols, which is like a really good astrologer. I'm sure you know her. Yeah. Um, horoscopes are like a hundred years old and it's the way that astrology was brought to the masses. It's mm -hmm. a way to like generalize it because that's the only way you, you can do that because astrology is so unique to you, your, right. church, your family, the place you were born. I mean, not even two people born in the same hospital are going to have the same journey that's because true. their environment, their family, their right. routine, all their astral DNA is going to be different. And so that's what I explained to them. Uh, I say uh, horoscopes is not, I mean, horoscopes are horoscopes. They're a hundred years old. Astrology is thousands of years old. It's part of culture. Mm. You know, it, the days of the, the week are named after planets. I don't know if you've gone to any bank. If you go to any bank in any state, in, in any state in the U.S., you will notice a Zodiac printed all over the building. That's true. Oh my gosh. Just, we have normalized it. Right? So where we right we have right you're not seeing it you have to look and like pay attention that it, is so everywhere. true and so it's just astrology is part of culture you know it's part of our culture it's just it was demonized along the way because for many different reasons that I don't need to get into it but I think that people think astrology also tells you your destiny and, and, and they don't like not being in control, but that's farther from the truth. True, right. You make your own destiny. You're in control of your own life. Astrology is a map. It's right. It's just a blueprint. It's a little map. It's a little direction. And on earth. Yeah. You can do amazing things with it and you can do horrible things with it. Right. But it's up to you. You have the control of your birth chart. Your birth chart is just there to guide you and explain some of the energies that surround your journey. But it's not like you, you're in control of your destiny. Mm. And I, I think people that. don't know that. People think that it's boxy and people- Right, or you're giving your power away. And that's what I like to empower people with. These are tools. You still have right. to factor in so many other things. Like you said, the way you were raised- religion, socioeconomic status, like all of this stuff makes you who you are. These are just tools. That's all. It's just a tool. Right. And then, and I mean, and then once they understand that they're like, oh, okay. I didn't know that. You know, I, I, I didn't know that. And so I said, yeah, it's, it's not really what you think it is. It's not like, and I also think that they don't like people don't really understand the work involved that happens in a birth chart reading. It's like really deep work. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, it's not like 
they confuse it with tarot and psychic energy, which are different things which go hand in hand, right? But I also tell them astrology is a language. Mm-hmm. That's it what is. it is. It's a language that we read, but it's not like uh, something that was here to, to, to predict. Of course, we can make a lot of predictions. Right, right? you can, right. It's not here to predict your journey. It's your own. Right. It's, it's your own responsibility. To, right. right. To do things. Or I like to tell people that when we think about these tools is that, so I like to say that astrology or your natal chart sometimes is like the season and then the transits are the weather. So the season is fall for everyone, but for you, the weather where you are located might be different than someone in California. <laughs> so it's like that kind of thing. And I like to let people know that you still are in control, but this is it's almost like here are really great energies for this to happen based off of what's going on in your progression, your transits. This is something that could possibly happen, or this is a great opportunity for you to do something. Would you say, would you agree with that is more of the language of empowering people when it comes to astrology? Totally. Totally. It's, I mean, it is, it is about, it is about the cycles, right? Mm -hmm. It's about the cycles and it is about knowing when there's a good time to assert yourself, knowing when it's a good time to chill, you know, step back, knowing when it's a good time, um, just basically for everything, you know, I mean, I practice magic. I try, I practice all that stuff. So it's like, you know, it's like, figuring out when are periods of opportunity, you know, and, and, and periods in which you're being asked to do some other type of work, you know, I love that. Um, so, and, and then people change their mind because, but the most of the time when people say astrology is not real, it's the truth is they don't know what they're, they don't know. (laughs) Okay. You heard it here. You don't know what you're talking about. If anyone listening and they're like, it's not real. No. Um, when, So I have a question for you that I always like to ask astrologers because we are very clear that you love the moon, but what is another favorite planet or asteroid that you really love? Well, I mean, obviously everyone loves Venus, but I'm Taurus rising. So I I have a special connection to Venus because Venus rules my chart, but I just love all the asteroids because I mean, in particular, um, the four asteroid goddesses, you know, like Vesta, okay. Pallas. Okay. Um, June. Pal- Pallas is in Taurus for me as well. <laughs> I have Pallas square my son. Okay. So I have Pallas square my son. So I've always been a freaking feminist, you know, like right. against the patriarchy and all that stuff. And I was raised in Mexico. So right. I always like, People always saw me as like, whoa, there she goes, you know. Um, I love Lilith, <laughs> obviously. Okay. Um, Scorpio and Lilith. It's, yeah. Oh, that's really nice. I have Lilith and Virgo, which is kind of a boring sign for Lilith. You know what? I, I'm starting to appreciate my Scorpio. So I have my Porta Fortuna, um, my Lilith. What else is in Scorpio? I have a couple, I have a couple of asteroids in Scorpio. Um, 
So it's like interesting because my technically my house is empty there besides the asteroids. So yeah, so it's just I, I love it. So you love the asteroids, you love the feminine goddess asteroids. Those are your favorites. Of those because like let's face it, astrology originally was also written by men, or at least, you know. Correct. Yes. At least what was recorded, you mm-hmm. know. And so I I love the asteroids because they bring another layer of feminine energy that has been overlooked, you know. Um, and they also bring many different archetypes besides the mother and the lover. Mm. You know, they bring the warrior and like you know the goddess of wisdom, the goddess of the sport. I mean, so many different layers of the rich feminine archetypes that we have right so i think that's really amazing i mean the thing about asteroids when i do a reading it's like i only go to the asteroids when i see them doing something very particular in a bird chart right like okay the moon squaring the sun or something like that otherwise just gets kind of like diluted you know right because there's so many asteroids so many of them right but yeah, I mean, I particularly like Vesta. I like Lilith. I'm starting to get into Aries because okay. we've, been, we've been getting a lot of Aries act, action for the past yeah. years. Um, and Juno too, because Juno will tell you a lot about people's commitment style. Mm-hmm. Day, right? Why do they need to be in a commitment with someone? Um and who knows? I mean, there will be so. Oh, and I love the dark moon, all the dark moon, like Medusa. Okay. I'm like learning a lot about that, Medusa. That's awesome. And mm-hmm. so you, Venus rules your chart. I like to, so when it comes to, because people love to ask me this and talk about this, when it comes to money, do you feel that Venus is where it needs to be at when you're thinking about money in your chart? that Venus tells you a lot well yes but also I mean I think and what I've been noticing a lot is that Venus it's just a lot of how how you attract right I mean Mm -hmm. your Mars placement says oh this is how I'm gonna go get this right ah um you know I I don't know who who said it I I love that and I love that I, I always like to say I heard this from this person because, you know, in the right. well, we don't know who you heard it from, but you heard it from someone. <laughs> yeah. But someone said your Venus placement, it's how you attract is how you your Venus placement decides who you like and what you like and don't like. Also, mm. your Mars is that person that who goes and gets them. The, your Mars is who gets up at the bar and it's like oh gosh number right that sucks for me both the minor and pisces so which they were different people (laughs) (laughs) venus and mars are both in pisces (laughs) Uh, well i mean venus is like exalted in pisces so yeah it's just so there's a the water is just so i don't know sometimes it just gets in the way there those emotions boy are just right really you know right I'm, I'm glad that i have i'm a sagittarius rising and a, a taurus moon i'm glad that i have that because i feel That's like my, mm-hmm. yeah the, that water is like ugh. i mean in terms of money i do think venus does 
relate to that, you know, um, but I always look at the set at the second house. Okay. So whatever is ruling your second house. Yeah. Because like, for example, if you have Gemini or Libra in the second house, you probably have like different incomes because they're dual signs. So you mm. have different incomes, not just one, you know? Um, but I do think that what I've seen a lot is that people repressing their Venus a little bit, just because of toxic masculinity and like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, and so I'm thinking, I, I've worked with a lot of my clients on like accessing their Venus more and it all okay. brings love, but it also brings money because Venus rules love. money. Yeah. Hand so in hand. Like Venus has a big job in astrology it's like, right oh, relationships pleasure art i mean it's like a lot so it's like if you start working with your venus placement you will attract all the good things not just love but money as well you know? interesting i love that so how do you suggest people like start working with their venus placement well i have a list <laughs> i have a list that i send people but like for example um and it's you have a link for that where they can sign up for that to, um, for the list. You know, I think I'm gonna publish it and then I can send it to you. Yes, uh, came please. Up with this, yeah, of course. I came up with this list as a way to help people that, for example, had Venus and Scorpio, you know, or Venus square Saturn, something like that, and it, mm-hmm. a way in which Venus is prevented from expressing herself, right? I have a list of things, but for example, reading about her, like connecting to the archetype, um, bringing images. I suggest people putting a Venus altar in their home, you know? I have a friend, Jasmine, who does that. She's very, very big into Venus. She has Venus statues and she has an altar and she's like, you need a Venus altar. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but... Right. I'm, I'm, I just have a new place, but I have a, my friend who does Feng Shui came in here and gave me the exact location in which this um, Venus altar needs to be. Okay. So I put my art pieces there, for example, because she likes art, right? And for me in my birth chart, that's what makes me an artist, my Venus placement. So I put paintings there, a gold table, and then putting figurines that remind you of, you know, it depends on everyone's Venus, but for example, Fridays are ruled by Venus, right? Mm-hmm. Viernes, Viernes, it's in Spanish, it's Friday. So Venus, Fridays, I try to always do something related to Venus, like beautifying myself. Okay, so you do a Venus ritual every Friday. Right. I, okay. If you want to get really granular, it's like on a Venus day on the Venus hour. Right. right. Okay. All right. That's on the Venus day, right. on the Venus hour, buying myself nice things like flowers. Okay. Back, I love that. Like Fridays is like ritualizing your relationship to Venus, Venus by creating more pleasure. So Venus is more than anything pleasure. Right. More than anything pleasure, but pleasure also equals material value money love all of it well I'm, well for me maybe <laughs> my Taurus moon is like for me it does no. <laughs> well, sorry everyone sounds too crazy for your uh, audience or if it's too much but for example what I've noticed is people feeling a little guilty about feeling pleasure which is like oh yes here for like 
We're here to pleasure. But masturbating on Fridays. Okay, love that. It's like, that's when you access Venus, when you're feeling ecstasy, when you're feeling all the good stuff, you know, like. Okay, I love that. Like, do it. Like, calling calling her in, putting flowers around you, asking her to come around, making art on Fridays, um, going on dates on Fridays because it's Venus's night, right? Yeah. Um, if you want to get crazy, I mean, I I purchase magical items that were... Yeah, I always get fixed candles and fixed candles and I usually do Venus. I do usually burn on Venus on Fridays for me. Any rituals that I do usually are on Fridays on a Venus day. Right. So it's it's just like bringing more of her, you know, and there are many different manifestations, you know, of of the of the Venusian energy. But um, at the end of the day, you bring it down to something that brings you pleasure. Right. And, and being okay with knowing that it is your birthright to experience yes. pleasure. <laughs> pleasure. And, I, and, and I like nice things. That's what brings me pleasure. <laughs> nice things right. bring me pleasure that's that Taurus like I love beautiful things right <laughs> I, I get you because I'm the Taurus rising too yes. it's like you put me anywhere girl anywhere and I'll always pick the most expensive thing me too I, when I remember when I was younger and my mom would like take when I was like really young we would just like for lunch go to Red Lobster I'm ordering the most expensive thing and they were just my parents would be like she's I don't get it but just give it to her <laughs> so, <laughs> like I'm always I can find literally the most expensive thing in just a rinky dink store and I'm like oh that's our most expensive item I'm like oh really <laughs> that's always been me so I'm sure you can attest to that with that Taurus rising oh yeah 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 it's a thing it's a thing that's so <laughs> interesting so one last thing that I want to talk about with the moon because I'm sure my audience is going to be pissed if I don't we always hear everything about manifesting with the moon, manifesting with the moon and all of that stuff. What is your take on that? My take on that, and people might not like my response. <laughs> no, that's okay. Keep it real. Tell the truth. But this is the thing. Not all moons are made equal. Okay. I love that. Not all moons are made equal. Nope. No, no, no. She might look the same up in the sky, but she's not. I mean, the lady of the night, which is the moon, right? Because mm-hmm. the night, she wears a different costume every single day. Right. Putting on what she's triggering in the sky, because that's how the moon triggers all the planets, because some of them mm-hmm. are so far away. I mean, the moon triggers even stars, depending on right. where, where the moon is at. But manifesting with the moon i've found in my own experience in my own work and i mean you hear this from other people it really depends on what the moon is doing if you're trying to manifest with the moon squaring saturn you're going to get difficulties with that manifestation so and then say oh so you kind of have to be an astrologer to manifest with the moon and i was like Sort you don't of, have yeah. to be an astrologer, but you can read about astrology. And that's why astrologers blog about this is a great moon for putting your crystals out. Right. Uh, this is a great moon for intellectual pursuits, publishing pursuits. This one's not. This is a moon for material manifestation. So you kind of have to see what the moon is connecting to. Right. Right. 
use that moon for manifestation work. Like there are huge opportunities for manifesting in 2022, but you have to pay attention to the configurations in the sky. Okay. That mostly well, we need to follow you for that. So yes. everyone, you have to follow you for <laughs> that to get all of those configurations. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Everyone, please make sure you get this beautiful, beautiful book, Moon Signs, Unlock Your Inner Luminary Power. Look how pretty it is. They did such a good, did you have a hand with working with the publishers? I did. They, honestly, they were a dream. I was so lucky. It's so beautiful. To work with them. They are the nicest people on earth. Uh, It has really, um, really beautiful, two artists. Gorgeous. Um, they are the nicest people. They sent me this huge bouquet of flowers. Um, oh, I really so like awesome. them. They're like legit nice people. Um, so yes, I, I got to, I got to pick, you know, certain things. And I think, I think it came out really nice. It came out gorgeous. What do you know, if you do do another book, what it will be on? Maybe. I'm sure they're going to actually say, okay. <laughs> I, I have a lot of ideas, you know, the truth is I have more ideas than than time right right okay so i'm right now i'm trying to edit 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 down and Mm -hmm. see what i really want to do for my next project but all i can tell you it's 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 feminine it's really based on feminine okay we'll leave it that way yes i i have an idea what it's going to be about and i hope (laughs) i hope it comes out in 2023 or at least by then yeah, I'm 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 starting to work on it. I, in fact, uh, I mani- I mean, I did a lot of manif- manifestation work with this book. Like, mm. it, it was kind of weird, like sending emails. I know it's a lot, but like, I would time my emails with a. No, stroke. that's important. I have my little calculator for when the moon changes, which sign it's in, and planet it's in. So trust me, I know. I'm like, don't post that until two (laughs) o'clock I love it that's so good well thank you so much for being on I can't wait to get the book Amazon said it'll be here very soon um everyone get the book it's available um now and make sure you follow you I'm gonna put all your socials in the description thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me it was fabulous to talk to you I love your energy thank you well until next time make sure you're having a great day filled with good vibes and great energy bye-bye Thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura On Street. This podcast was produced by Callie Green and edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.